0: Awaken podcast. I
1: hope you enjoy the teaching. Hello and welcome to Awaken, another week. We love that you're here. Uh, My name's Trevor. I'm the director of student ministries here at Awaken, and I want to extend a special welcome to you if you are new or tuning in for the first time can be hard to plug into communities this season. Um, The best way to do that right now is to go to our Awaken website and fill out a welcome card. It'll gather some of that information and we'll reach out to you and find ways to connect. Um, I'm here to lead us in a call to worship. I'm going to be taking us through Luke chapter 4, which this week felt significant being the week after Easter, because there's a way that going back to the beginning of the story really adds new meaning to what death and resurrection meant this weekend, this last weekend. So receive these words, and we'll get to worship. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
2: Everyone, my name is Mandy. I'm the Kids Community Director. Kids, I have a surprise. I have invited some of my friends who you may remember. Those of you who have been in the second and third grade classroom will definitely remember our friends John and Bobby, teachers in Kids Community, who we have not seen in so long, and they miss you, and I'm sure you miss them. Um, when our staff started talking about Coming back to our space and our kids all meeting again, maybe this fall, I thought, how great would it be to have some of our teachers get to talk to you and you get to see their faces so that when you come on a Sunday morning, you will remember them. And we are so grateful to have John and Bobby. And also, I reached out to a few other teachers. And if this says anything about our community and more importantly, about all of you, Most of the teachers I asked were like, yes, I want to come. Absolutely. When can I come? How many times can I come? How many times can I talk to the kids? So very awesome. They are so excited. We're going to have a splattering of teachers throughout the next few months here and out at the park. And we're just really excited to get to see all of you and spend time with you. So today, I would love to invite John and Bobby to come on up.
3: Thank you so much, Mandy. Um, and like what Mandy said, we are so excited to be back with you kids community. It's been too long, a little over a year now. Um, and so we just wanted to first start off by intre- reintroducing ourselves for those of you who may be new to the, to the group or for those of you who have forgotten. Um, but my name's Bobby and my name's John and, and we're really excited to, to see you and, uh, and spend time. Uh, together. Uh, And today we want to tell you a little bit about a book that means a great deal to us. Uh, This book, Praying with Mandalas, was actually given to us by friends who uh, attend Awaken. Uh, And what it is, is basically a coloring book uh, that helps you pray. And and I find that as, as I pray, sometimes I have too much going on in my head, and I, and I can't focus. Uh, and what a mandala does, and a mandala is a word for circle, is it's an empty coloring book, uh, and there are uh, Bible verses uh, at the bottom of it, of it, or you can pick your own. And what you do is, as you pray over the topic uh, or, or reflect on the Bible verse, you color the mandala. Uh, and, it, and it's supposed to help you slow down uh, and really find the space you need uh, to, to really just focus uh, on on being with God. Uh, and so we picked one for you today uh, to, to go through. Uh, and this one says, review your day and pray for the individuals you encountered. Uh, and it gives you a spot to put in a date, a location, uh, and the focus of your prayer. Uh, and you can really pick anyone throughout your day who, uh, who you're thinking about or you want to pray for. And as you color the mandala, uh, you, can, you can think about them, you can think about God, uh, and you can pray. Uh, so I've, I've started one here. Uh, here's half of mine. Uh, and the only rule that I really want to share with you as you get started is the first rule. Uh, and it's that everyone is an artist. You are wonderfully made in the image of God, your creator. Therefore, you have creative gifts embedded within you. Trust that you are a work of art created by God. Whatever you create will be a work of art as well. So I really hope that uh, that you enjoy praying with uh, mandalas and we're very excited to see you uh, soon. And with that, we are going to... One last thing. A copy of something like this will be in your monthly box, so stay tuned for that. Probably so you some, can participate. Probably some coloring sheets. Yes. Yes. So with that, we will turn it over uh, for a time of, of blessing.
0: Thank you, guys. Let's sing the song of blessing over our kids. <laughs>
4: Morning, my friends, and uh, wow. Um, well, welcome back to Awaken. Um, if we haven't met, my name's Micah. I am one of the pastors here, and um, spring outside. The weather is beautiful today. Uh, Easter is in our rear view. Resurrection was celebrated last week, so um, it's it's things are good. Things are looking up for us, and uh, I'm actually very excited for today because we're starting a new series. It's sort of a continuation of the last series. We did The Power of a Letter And in the next three weeks, I've asked a few of my friends uh, to come and share. And the prompt was, Dear Church. So I said to them, hey, I'm taking a little time off to focus on a couple of other things for a few weeks, so would you come? And if you had to say anything to the church, and the beginning of your sentence was, dear church, uh, what would you want to say to the, the church at large, to uh, this church called Awaken, based on what they know of me? So I thought, boy, who, who could I ask? And so I have three of, one, three of my, my good friends. Um, next week will be my spiritual director. His name's Joe Warney, After that, uh, a good friend, Earl Milton, who has been with us before, but for today, um, I want to introduce you to a friend and mentor to me, uh, Reverend Kelly Chapman. Uh, over the last five months or so, he and I have been meeting monthly and um, got to know him kind of through a friend a while back, but uh, Pastor Chapman was at Redeemer Lutheran Church in North Minneapolis for a little over 20 years, uh, worked with the Synod, the ELCA for a number of years as well, uh, well as well as a pastor. And recently retired from pastoring uh, day to day uh, and started what's called the Center for Leadership and Neighborhood Engagement. So helping local churches engage in their neighborhoods. Um, So I'm very, very excited for you all to meet him. Um, So would you please, if you were here, I would imagine you'd give him a warm welcome. But in your homes, in your hearts, would you please welcome my friend, Reverend Kelly Chapman.
5: Hello, Awaken. Uh, thank you, Pastor Micah. It's an honor to be with you today. If uh, there's anything that I would say to Awaken, dear church, uh, don't get comfortable. And uh, there are cycles of oppression to be broken, and, uh, and I'd also say thank you for your faith and celebration of, the, of, of worshiping a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings into the world. And and that salvation is for everybody. Uh, I have chosen a scripture, but I'd like to go back to the scripture that Trevor shared with us today from Luke. Um, And uh, it's a little shorter than the scripture that I had chosen from uh, John, the fourth chapter, which is a story about the woman at the well. But um, I will read the scripture that uh, Jacob shared before, excuse me, Trevor, uh, and the scripture from the fourth chapter of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Uh, to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captive and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm also thankful to be with you today uh, as uh, I'm a part of a community that is gathering around a virtual prayer tent uh, during the Chauvin trial that each morning from eight o'clock to 8.30, we gather and we pray uh, for the judge, for the jury, for uh, Chauvin, for the family of George Floyd for our nation and our world, and each day we have a uh, reflection leader, and from eight to eight thirty, and so in, uh, about the the prayer book that you uh, uh, coloring book that you had, uh, it's a reminder that we pray with crayons, and we pray as a collective community, and so I invite you to. It's called Healing Our City, uh, and it's www.healingourcity, and. Um, And it's simply a call for us to gather together in the power of prayer. Um, Again, uh, my name is Kelly Chapman and I share a little bit of my story and how I came uh, to faith. And my parents both uh, came from the segregated South to the industrial North as part of a great black migration in the 50s I was five years old when my family moved to uh, the city of Detroit, and as we were gathering, we didn't have a church home, and I I wasn't sure what my uh, parents' uh, faith tradition was, simply that our parents had a a kind of a a ritual that uh, there were 12 children, and they would have us line up, and uh, we had, uh, we were assigned to, like, uh, have a Bible verse. And I remember we were assigned to memorize the 23rd Psalm. And we'd take turns uh, reciting the 23rd Psalm. But we didn't have a church home. We, we simply went to um, church on Easter. And so, our excitement on Easter we would get new clothes and, and we would all march together to the nearest Baptist church. And, uh, and I had this picture, like, have you ever seen, like the mother duckling, father duckling, and we would just follow our parents uh, to church. And uh, uh, so it didn't have particular meaning for us other than the excitement of Easter. Um, and I remember that as we, we gathered uh, on that tradition, um, uh, my father had a rule that if we wanted to go to the movies, we had to go to the church. I mean, if we wanted to go to the movies, we had to go to church on Sunday. And so I I was not very religious. Um, And uh, my siblings and I, because in order to go to the movies, we had to go to church. My siblings and I, we called that taking a dive. Uh, we, We went to church to get what we really wanted was to go to the movies. And then my parents bought a house and we were in a new neighborhood. And I was in seventh grade And I was sitting in seventh grade when I was listening to my new classmate, a boy named Willie Woods, and Willie was kind of one of those gruff kids. And I was sitting and I was enamored as Willie was describing how pretty the girls were in his Sunday school. Now, I wasn't very religious, but when I heard Willie describe how pretty those girls were, I felt a conversion coming on. So I invited myself to visit Willie's church, and I walked about a mile to the church according to Willie's directions. And I got to this really nice neighborhood and uh, it was called Indian Village and it was about two blocks long and about four blocks wide. Uh, and uh, my siblings and I, we called the homes in that neighborhood uh, mansions when we were growing up. And that, so the, the church in that neighborhood didn't match my picture of Willie, uh, but I, I, I got up my courage and according to Willie's direction, that was the church. So I walked up to the church, and I opened this big, heavy door, and I heard children singing. So I thought, well, this must be the right place. So I opened the door, and I followed the children's voices, and I walked down the steps and down the hall, and I just followed the voices of those children. And just as I got to the end of the hallway, and again, I didn't see anybody the whole time, I just heard the voice of those children singing. And just as I rounded the corner, there stood the entire Sunday School. And I think when they saw me, they stopped singing. I know when I saw them, I stopped walking. See, the entire Sunday School was white. And this was like 1963, 1964. And I had a tape going, and I think you know what that tape is like about where you belong and where you don't belong. And as I was trying to figure out how I was going to escape, the only thing I could think about at that moment was, I'm going to kill Willie Woods. And I thought that he, I was the victim of a, a mastermind middle school prank. But as I was standing there figuring out how to escape, two Sunday school teachers came over to me, and they gave me some material about somebody named Martin Luther, and they marched me to the front of the entire Sunday school and the Sunday school began to sing these words, there's a welcome here, there's a welcome here, there's a Christian welcome here. When I think about the gospel and I think about salvation and the message of God in Jesus Christ, he came to welcome everybody into the reality of God. I'm so thankful that I had that experience when i was in seventh grade and that before i could escape those sunday school teachers came over and they walked me into that experience of welcome a challenge that we have awakened for our churches is how much we're invested in being comfortable living in privilege living in those ways that we come to have our values or our standards or our privileges reinforced. But that's not the reality that God and Jesus came to invite us into. It's a new reality. And it's a challenge for us all. You know, in the congregation that I served for 20 years in the Harrison neighborhood of North Minneapolis, it's a wonderfully diverse neighborhood. 39% African American, 25% white, Southeast Asian, largely Hmong and Cambodian. And the reality of that is that representation was not the reality that we experienced on Sunday morning. And the challenge that I faced was, how do we get our congregation to look like the neighborhoods that actually surround us? How do we get our congregations to live the reality of the people whose lives reflect the the geography of where we worship and we celebrate each and every Sunday. Now, there was an experience that I had. It was one Sunday after worship uh, that one of our leaders came and approached me after worship, complaining that there were people at the back of the sanctuary and they'd been talking during the service and they were eating potato chips. My immediate response was to take off my robe and put on my potato chip police vestment and walk to the back of the room and chastise those people. And as I was literally walking to the back of the sanctuary to reprimand those people, something stopped me in my tracks. And I realized there were people in church that were talking during the service and they were eating potato chips. And that meant that we had people in church that did not know how to do church. And that was not a, a failure, but that was a sign of our success. So, how do we turn this around to see and celebrate the the, the wonderful diversity of the kingdom of God? And so If I could say, dear church, what our challenge is, it's to take our blinders off and to see the world the way that Jesus saw the world, to see the calling and to share the calling that Jesus shared. You know, when I think about Jesus, Jesus came as the fulfillment of a prophetic tradition. Jesus followed the line of the prophets of, of Amos and Abraham and Sarah and, and Moses and and all of the prophets, and Jesus picks up that mantle, and when he opens up that scroll about liberation for everybody it 's a tradition that 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 and a promise of the salvation of God and how it comes into our world in real time and in real life this morning or this evening or whenever you uh, share this worship uh, there's something that I um, learned from the Oakland Men's Project, and it's called the Cycle of Oppression. And the Cycle of Oppression goes like this. It, it begins at, at the top of the cycle, uh, it is uh, targeting, or in other words, it could be labeling or stereotyping. And so it begins with how we see a person or group, and we label or we stereotype them, uh, and then um, and it creates a mythology about a person or a group. The next thing that happens in that cycle is we attach misinformation to a person or a group. And then it's, uh, and so targeting mythology, then um, the misinformation based on the targeting, and then the next part of that is then the, the justified mistreatment of a person or a group. So targeting, misinformation, and then the justified mistreatment. And then that cycle is fulfilled in what we call internalized behavior. So if I have a dog and every time I approach my dog, I kick my dog, sooner or later I'll approach my dog and even though it didn't do anything wrong, it will act like it did something wrong. That's that cycle of oppression. Now I'm gonna walk through that cycle a couple of times with you if you don't mind. So as an example, I would say, if you look at women as a targeted group. And then misinformation might be, in the example of driving, uh, that women are not as good at driving as men. I'm not saying that that's just the cycle of oppression. Right? So misinformation is women are not good drivers, the justified mistreatment is, then don't encourage them to drive. Uh, and then the internalized behavior might be that the women don't feel confident driving. And in my generation, and my parents' generation, it was always my father who drove based on that cycle of oppression. Another one, if you uh, take the time, when you go in the grocery store and and you look at what do the women look like, so targeting the misinformation might be the women are uh, thin, uh, glamorous, Uh, Sexy. So based on that misinformation, then the mistreatment might be uh, make fun of them. It it might be, uh, 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 well, you can figure that out. Then the internalized behavior based on what a woman, the objectification of women and what a woman's supposed to look like. And then that internalized behavior then might be you know the term anorexia, bulimia. I'm going to do one more with women. And, um, and that women as a targeted group, then um, in terms of if a man is assertive and or aggressive, then we celebrate that that is strong leadership. If a woman is assertive or aggressive, then we might say something else and then the internalized behavior. Do you know the term dummy down? Pretend that you don't know as much as you know, or uh, to be more quiet in order that you not get locked into that cycle of oppression. Well, now I wanna talk about that cycle in terms of what's going on in our world today and thinking about Black Lives Matter and thinking about black and Hispanic youth as a targeted group. Misinformation about black male youth. If I'm a teacher, maybe the mythology or the misinformation is they're not really as smart as other students or not coming to school to learn or prepare to learn. Or or maybe the mythology is that they're from broken homes. And then the justified mistreatment might be to put them in special education to not invest in them as much, to only have them and see them for their athletic ability. And then internalized behavior might be dropping out of school, not investing themselves in education. Now let's look at the cycle one more time. In black male youth and Latino male youth, if I'm a police officer, What might be the misinformation about maybe being in gangs, looking for trouble, the justified mistreatment, racial profiling, driving while black, and the internalized behavior, parents teaching their child how to position their hands on the wheel when a police officer comes. Fear in assuming that they've done something wrong. And it's perpetuated when you look at the incarceration rate of black and Latino male youth. The thing about that, brothers and sisters, people in those cycles, they don't set that up, we do. Our calling is to break the cycles of oppression. It's to take the mantle that Jesus talks about in this fourth chapter of Luke. Finally, there's a scripture, and there's so many. You know, when we think about Jesus, we've domesticated Jesus. We talk about Jesus as a nice guy that that went around being nice to people and But Jesus is the reality and liberating reality of God, bringing salvation into the world. Jesus comes to break cycles of oppression. So I invite you to read these scriptures today and read them about a God who comes in the person of Jesus Christ in real time, in real life. Read the scripture of Jesus about the woman at the well. A woman who goes to the well at the hottest part of the day, because when she goes to the well, when the other women gather, what she hears about is her cycle of oppression. She hears about how many husbands she's had. She hears about how bad her life is. And so what that woman decides to do is she goes to the well at the hottest part of the day, in order that she doesn't have to hear those stories again about how awful her life is, about the cycle of oppression that she's caught up in. And what a surprise it is to her when she goes to the well on this day that she sees a man named Jesus who asks this Samaritan woman to give him a drink of water. The absolute shock that a man, a religious man, a Jew would dare to have authentic relationship with a Samaritan woman locked into a cycle of oppression. And so what does the Son of God do? He has a relationship with her. He breaks the cycle of oppression You know, God could have phoned it in. God could have just said, salvation is yours. But no, what God does is that God takes on human form. He comes into everyday life and God exhibits God's presence in real life and in real time. And God gives God's life in order that we might have new life in order that we might experience salvation, not just for us, but for everybody. A God who loves so much that he dares to come and put his life on the line in order that the cycles of oppression would be broken. Awaken, dear church, live and be the reality of God. Live and be the cycle breakers that Jesus calls us to be. And may our prayer be the cycles that are broken also liberate us from the places of comfort and privilege, supremacy, and all that would separate us, not only from God, but from one another. And then maybe, maybe someday you'll look at the back of the church and you'll see some of those people eating potato chips too. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing salvation into our world. Thank you for putting your life into our hands and salvation into our reality and help us to be not only the ones who celebrate who you are, but celebrate the new life and the salvation and your witness to what love truly looks like. We give you thanks and pray your continued liberation for all of your world, in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it and he said, this is a new covenant, uh, a new way of being human that I'm inviting you to, secured and written by my shed blood. So whenever you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. So to the church gathered, it's important that we remember that when we come to this table, it's the table of the Lord. It's not the table of the church. We don't own it, we didn't secure it, we don't have the rights to it. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, those of you who have faith, those of you who have been here often, not for a long time, or maybe not even ever before. Maybe if you find yourself eating potato chips in the back of the church, come, it's for you. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come and be fed and be known at the table. As you take the bread, I invite you to hear these words. The body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. as you take the cup, I invite you to hear these words. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Well, friends, thanks for being with us this morning. Um, one of my favorite things to do in life is to introduce you to my friends. And uh, as you can tell, I am a lucky guy to have met Pastor Chapman and to be able to spend time with him. Um, a couple of... Uh, community life notes that I want to make before we send you on your way. A couple things happening that we want to draw your attention to. Uh, The Awaken Weekly comes by email. If you're not subscribed to that, uh, I encourage you to do so. Uh, But a couple things I want to uh, highlight. The first of which is a book study that Jenna and Jane are going to lead. Uh, It's on Redeeming Conflict. It starts April 22nd and it's six weeks, so uh, you can sign up for that on the website or in the Awaken Weekly. And the other thing is uh, we have partnership classes, uh, April 18th and 25th. Uh, It's a two week class, couple hours, uh, 10 o'clock to noon. And I lead those, so if you're interested in becoming what typically churches call membership, we call partnership, Uh, I wanna invite you to participate in those. Um, Friends, we're uh, May 9th, we're meeting in the park, we're gonna be together again, it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, If you're interested in helping set up and tear down for that, we're trying to put a little team of people um, to do that. So if you're interested, please sign up and I will contact you. I'm leading that little team. Uh, It's like we're planting a church again. (laughs) I said I would never do that again. But I'm excited to see your faces. So uh, receive this blessing as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. Grace and peace, my friends. See you next week. www.facebook.com backslash community